are listening to the Heavy Metal Hangover, where the beer is always cold and the music is always heavy. With your hosts wearing jeans and leather, not Cracker Jack clothes, Rex and Duff. Welcome to another episode of the Heavy Metal Hangover. My name is Duff. My name is Rex. And here we are. I am drinking already. I'm on... uh, Beer Pounder number three. And we're just beginning. So th- this might this might be a... Um, this is either going to be a night of really good good, good discussion or we're going to be uh, making a trip back down memory lane tonight. I don't know which one it's going to be. For our fan, fans, come on. <laughs> for our listeners that have been around for a little while, a trip down memory lane is either going to be kind of scary or it might be kind of fun. I don't know. We're going to see what happens. Uh, but I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like tonight might be good. <laughs> Let's just say yes, bone movies. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh man. Um, so, uh, real quick, I just want to throw this out, uh, to, to everybody listening that, uh, there will not be an episode for the next two weeks. Um, we've never gone that long without doing an episode before. Um, but again, in the early days of the show, in the original show, you know, the first like 250 episodes, we never missed a week. And uh, when we brought the show back, we made the decision that uh, we're just not going to do that. So if there's times when we have to be gone, we're just going to, you know, not do the show. And in this case, I'm going to be gone for the next two weeks. I don't want to talk about this too much because I will talk about it afterwards. Um, but I am going to Vakken, uh, Vakken Open Air in northern Germany. I will be there. I will not be here. And uh, so, therefore, there will be two weeks that um, I will not be able to do the show. So, we won't be doing the show. Um, I will also throw this out. Uh, I am not a big fan of of social media, and I don't mean to plug something of my own. Um, Not a big fan of social media. I don't like it at all. Uh, But I did want to say that I want to share photos from Vakken to our listeners but what I don't want to do is blow up the Heavy Metal Hangover's Instagram account. I just don't want to do it. I will post a couple of pictures to it because yeah, it's a metal concert. But I don't want to. I don't want to make our Heavy Metal Hangover Instagram page just Vakken photos. So I made uh, my own Heavy Metal Hangover Duff uh, Instagram account. But I'm just throwing this out. Like I don't. It, don't think of it as like a, a a an Instagram for me. Think of it as I'm making a separate Instagram that I can throw stuff like that out on and not feel like I'm, you know, taking over the show Instagram. Um, so just so you know, I will be posting a lot of photos, but they will be on. Uh, I don't even remember what the. Let me look. I should probably know the handle. Um, but it's uh, Heavy Metal Hangover Duff. Um, and again, if you go to our, our regular Instagram at the Heavy Metal Hangover, you'll see there's a picture um, and there's a link to it. But anyway, I'm not promoting my own page because I don't like social media and I don't give a damn. I'm only even saying it because if you want to see pictures from Vakken, I will only post a couple on the main show page. But I made that other Instagram account just so I can post them. Uh, so if you want to see them, you got to follow us there or you got to follow me there, I guess. Um, but if you... Uh, don't care about that sort of thing, then don't worry about it because I won't be flooding our page with it. Anyway, thought that was important to mention it because I don't 
I always tell people I'm not really a social media guy. I'm not. I really hate it. Um, I don't hate social media. I hate people. <laughs> and I hate knowing what they're thinking. And when you're on social media, you see what they're thinking. And it's, just, it's, it's just a bad experience. It makes me want to drink more. But anyway, so yeah, I'll be at Vodkin. I won't be here. We are doing um, uh, a couple of days in, in Ireland, a couple of days in Amsterdam. Uh, the time in Vakken. Um I did last week mention a, um, a meetup uh, for um, a party drinking game type thing that we have um, that I am doing with a couple of, uh, of people. And let me see if I can find that info real quick. Like... Um, just again, one more final invitation to anybody who's listening. It's going to Vakken Tuesday evening, um, August 1st. That is uh, at 11 p.m. at the picnic tables at the Jungle Stage. Big drinking game party. If you were going to Vakken, meet you there. Uh, otherwise, I don't want to talk about Vakken anymore. That's not what this show's about, but I just felt the need to um, describe that. Um, anyway, welcome. Welcome back to a night full of drink. <laughs> Rex, are you planning on getting Schlitz tonight or, or not? I'm just curious. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see oh, where the night takes on. us. Mm. Hey, she was a whore. <laughs> that is the gift that just keeps on gifting. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's. If you don't know what I'm talking about, there, all you have to do is look up the, uh, the gif from Ralphie from The Sopranos when he goes, "Hey, she was a whore." It's like the best the, gift ever. She hit me. She hit me. It's just, it's one of those great ones. And I, if, if you were to ever get in a text message or, or, or Facebook message or whatever, uh, DM conversation with me, at some point in time, I will probably use that GIF because it's, it's just, it works for all occasions. Um, but anyway, so we've got some stuff to talk about tonight. Um, I don't know, some cool topics, I think, maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll see how, uh, how it goes. Um, in the meantime, just want to throw out a little reminder. Facebook, Instagram at the Heavy Metal Hangover. Come find us. Um, we we could use when I get when, when I get back. I I would really love some great listener listener recommendations, um, listener picks. So if you've got a record that you think uh, Rex and Duff should should listen to, let us know. And you know, a reminder is something that might be a little outside of our wheelhouse. Um. Something you think we might like, but that's a little outside of our wheelhouse. Or maybe a, I know you got, a, a great example is, I know you're not normally into this style of music, but here's a band you should check out. You might find something that you would like about it. You know, Cattle Decapitation is a great example. It's a band that we both had listened to 20 years ago or whatever. We weren't really into them. We wrote them off. And then, you know, their last album comes out and someone recommended we listen to it. They're like, hey, I know you're not into Cattle Decapitation. But why don't you check their new record out? It might be something. I think there's stuff there that you might like. Um, and that was Death Atlas, meaning they're, they're not their newest record, but the one from 2019. And Rex and I both heard it and went, holy crap, that's okay. <laughs> that's really awesome. Uh, Beast in Black, believe it or not, one of my favorite current bands was a listener pick. Go figure that one out. I don't know, I don't know how I didn't know who that band was, but it was a listener pick and... I listen to those guys constantly, so we could use some great listener picks. Um, in the meantime, why don't we kick into our picks of the week, and then we can stop the formal stuff and just um, talk about some some fun other topics. So if you want, Rex, why don't you go ahead and tell me... Ooh, okay. Uh, yeah, this is a cool one. All right, give me your picks of the week. Your pick of the week. All right, let's see here. 
So mine's for uh, mine's for two reasons. First, I honestly haven't listened to anything new, and trust me, I've been looking. Uh, I've been looking for stuff coming out, and there are because some this things year on the sucks. There like, are some, like we're in it. Oh, this, this there time are sucks. some things on the horizon. There's a new Cryptopsy coming out. There's a new Crypta coming out. Um, there's a few other releases. Cannibal Corpse, a new Cannibal Corpse is on the way. So. You know, stuff's on the way. I just, it's, we're in a dry spell right now, man. It's just, um, I've, I, in, in the whole week. So one thing I did this week was, do you ever have one of those projects where you just dread doing it, but you know, the longer you put it off, the worse it's going to get. So that's yeah. how, that's how I was with my records. So I have amassed, um, <laughs> so I have amassed, um, about 1380 records that's my record collection where it's certainly right right around where it sits somewhere around there and when i would get new records i have a queue where i put the new records like in a separate place so i i know that i, I haven't listened to that yet so because i mean i i insist i say that i have to listen to every record i buy because otherwise you get into that habit of oh i want every slayer album so you buy all the slayer albums and then you realize you never actually listened to that copy of south of heaven on vinyl or whatever right so plus it's kind of neat like looking at your yeah, collection then you and bought saying, furniture right <laughs> what because if you don't listen to it, then all you don't, then you just bought furniture. Right. Well, and, and I, I like, always it, maintain that I buy records to listen to, not for furniture. Exactly. So I, 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 I like looked at my record. You know, it's also neat to say there's a thousand records. I've listened to every single one of them. You know what I mean? So anyway, so I had a cue. The problem was that I, I had one record shelf and it filled up. So I just started like putting them in like, you know, rows like in front of it and on the floor and everything else. And it got out of control. So finally I, I got rid of some old furniture. I, I bought some more record shelves. I promise this is going somewhere. And I just threw everything on a shelf. And, and for, so literally I had maybe a third of my collection alphabetized. Everything else was, I listened to it. I just put it on the shelf, listen to it, put it no rhyme or reason. So it took me three or four days, but I finally alphabetized all my vinyl. But in the midst of that, I'm actually still, you know, while you're alphabetizing your vinyl, I'm also checking my, like, I keep a catalog on Discogs because, um, you know, it's, so a good, I, it's, a good, it's a good way to know what you have. You know what I mean? So if you're at a record store, you're like, gee, do I, I can't remember if I, if I have that on vinyl or, um, you know, like, or, or, you know, it also helps because, there's a neat little feature where if you have a Discogs, you can you can press a button and it'll give you a random record from your collection to listen to. So it's yeah, like which I use all the time. Oh yeah, when you're in like that Netflix of like you're just looking, you're like, what do I want to listen to? And you have so so many options that you spend more time figuring out what to listen to than you actually do listening to it. Sometimes it's nice to press that button and be kind of told, listen to this. Um, but anyways, my point is that uh, you know, so I listen to all of a lot of my cue. And that included like a whole batch of Ted Nugent albums I had purchased and I never listened to, and um, you know a, a few others. You know, like I, I, you know, like I said, I like I like oldies, so I was listening to like Dion and the Belmonts, and you know, I love that stuff too. So that's all I've been listening to this week. I have not. I've been listening to some punk. I've been listening to. Um, I listen. Well, I did listen to Demolition Hammer today, but. Uh, um, what else did I get new in the mail? I listened to Elton John. I listened to two Elton John albums. I listened to Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. And uh, um, 
I can never remember the name of the album. It's it's got the symbols on the front and an all white cover. It's like I think it's too low four zero or something like that. Too low four zero. I, I can never remember, but it's it's the one with uh, it's the, the one too with, low for zero. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. It's the one too low with, for zero. Yeah, that one. Yeah. It's the uh, it's the one with um, uh, I'm still standing, and I guess that's why they call it the blues. But yes, my you know my, I love that song by the way. The the all time favorite best Elton John song though is still she's got electric boobs. <laughs> Man, Benny and the Jets. I will never sing that correctly. I will never sing that as any other thing except she's got electric boobs. Well, there, there, there are there are just some there are some you know misheard lyrics that you just gotta do. Like I'm sorry, but it will always be electric boobs, and Jimi Hendrix will always say, "Excuse me while I kiss this guy." Like, Excuse me just some... while I kiss this guy. There's just. Some things. Well, are and what about blinded by the light? Oh yeah, wrapped up like a douche. Another boner in the night. <laughs> oh man, I love that song too. <laughs> but anyway, so I mean, that's what I've been Manfred listening to this man. week. I was gonna say so that's what I've been listening to this week. So obviously, you know, I mean, I could do the Nuge as a pick, but I thought for sure you were gonna do the Nuge as your pick, seeing well, as that you're seeing. Him I, on I Tuesday. was gonna, yeah. I, I am. I am seeing Uncle Ted on Tuesday. And I cannot wait, but um, my pick is different just because it's different. But anyway, the stakes are high, and so am I. I got me a rock and roll band. It's a free for all. It's a free for all. Um, yeah, I mean those I, early I, uh, look and look. I know he's a polarizing figure now. I'm not here to talk about that. You know his early albums before he started like actually talking about stuff that people like or dislike. Those early albums. I mean, you can't take those away from him. Um, they were great rock and before, roll albums before it was. It used to not be partisan politics. It was he was opinionated, but he was talking about not necessarily partisan politics. He wasn't mentioning political candidates back in the seventies, um, at least not on stage. You know, you don't hear that on Double Live Gonzo or Intensity in Ten Cities. You know, you don't hear that. Um, I uh, and you know, I have every. I have every Ted Nugent record up through the first damn Yankees album on vinyl. I don't have the I don't have Don't Tread on Me, which I don't know if I don't know if that's a hard to find vinyl or not. I've never seen it. It probably is because it was like the first damn Yankees record was nineteen ninety, so Don't Tread on Me had to be like ninety two, ninety three. Okay, hold on, I gotta look now. Um if that's the case, all right, hold on. Damn Yankees, where is their second record? Hold on, I'm looking it up. Don't it's, tread on it's me. Lesser was known too, so don't tread on me. Wow, I'm good. It was 92. Um it well th th that that record is is pretty much just the song Don't Tread on Me was was a big hit, but the the the, the album was not so much. Um I'm going to guess from it being from 92 that it's a pain in the ass vinyl to get. Um 92 is a rough year to get vinyls from. Um because um uh let me see. The problem was, is that was when vinyls were being made, but they weren't being made much. So, yeah, that can be hard to find. I've never looked. I'm going to look. There are I'm more curious. collectors uh, at that point. So, yeah. You know, so, but that's what I've been listening to this week. Um, you know, I thought about doing Ted, but you know what? I'm, I'm Sunday. I'm going and I'm finally getting my countdown to extinction tattoo. So I decided to do Megadeth countdown to extinction as my pick of the week. Um, 
I, I just actually, uh, one of my record collector groups said that they are releasing the uh, the Men's of Friedman era. They said Countdown to Extinction is slated to be Q1 of 2024. So I'm hoping that means we're going to see uh, cryptic writings, we're going to see Euthanasia, yeah, we're going to see Countdown. Are, are I they know, the version when after Dave took their balls? <laughs> That's still you one of my favorite things you ever said. Like that that line in Fight Club. Dave's sitting there remastering the the count the Friedman era. He looks over at he looks over at like a picture of Nick Menza and he's like, We gotta get his balls. <laughs> we gotta get his balls. I mean, they seriously, it, I mean man. the remasters look the re I, I actually I still have my original C D copy, the pre I the pre remasters. Yeah, so I had the cassette in fifth grade, but I wore it out, and it, it by the time I was finished with it, it's already like this when you try oh, to play it. Oh, by the way, right, you know, so. there is one copy of Don't Tread on Me by, it's just called Don't Tread. The song's called Don't Tread on Me, but there's only one copy of Don't Tread on by Damn Yankees on Discogs for 250 bucks. Uh, they can kiss my ass. I don't want it that bad. Anyway, Damn straight and kiss my ass. Um, what I was going to say, though, was... Uh, um, but yeah, you know, so I, I guess they are repressing the Friedman era. At least that's what some guy on Discog says. As long he, as they don't suck, dude. But here's my question, though: Are will you buy the ball snipped version? I will buy. Will the you buy them versions. even though this, the, even though Dave will take the balls? I well, they're going to be the remastered versions. I mean, the bottom line is like that. It's the same thing as as Star Wars. You're not going to get the unspecialized versions anymore. Like at this point, if you don't want that, you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Um, you lose. Good day, sir. So are you going to get the? Yeah, no. I well, that's the thing. I don't like, even want to listen to them. They suck. Yeah, but Countdown is too important of an album for me uh, not to own it. No, I know it is, but damn it, that version. Like, I, I hate not the version of Sweating the Bullets sound, with a little intro that. Dude, it ruin. It completely ruins Sweating Bullets. It does. It completely ruined. And and uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, Symphony Destruction has extra crap in it. No, I don't think so. I don't. I don't remember Symphony I, I, Destruction. Yeah, I don't. Extra I, I don't know. I just I hate it. I hate it. The music video is so almost much. a completely different song. I know that, but um, oh, I hate it so much. I oh, just you know, do. yeah, it, you're, it, you're thinking of you're. I think you're thinking of the music video. Because the music video doesn't have. It doesn't start. It just goes. Dun, dun, dun. And then he like he does the first verse, then it goes dun, with the single guitar, dun, 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 and then the whole song starts. Um, yeah. No, but I'm I sure think that's know. just the music video. I, I'm almost 99% sure they left Symphony Destruction alone. That was a big single for them. I don't think they would have changed that. Sweating Bullets was big, but mostly in the metal scene. It wasn't like a radio hit or anything like that. Um, right. But I, I, we, I mean, look, either way, like I, I like those albums enough that t- to me, I'm, I'm. To me, I'm less supporting Mustaine for screwing with them and more supporting Friedman and, and Menza's estate or whatever. I'm sure they're going to get royalties from them. I'd like to do that. I mean, literally, this will be like the third or fourth time I've bought Countdown to Extinction. So um, it's kind of crazy like that. But um, either way, like I, I probably will buy it. So I'm getting my Countdown to Extinction tattoo. I'm going to probably do the Vic Rattlehead on the back of my calf. Um and you know he's he's has like the hourglass with the skulls falling in it, and he's holding the big scythe, and he's dressed like the Grim Reaper, um, you know, because it's like death is stalking me. It's telling me I got to get off my ass, and I got to get this band going. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, that you know that, that's kind of funny, man. I'm gonna have a Reaper. <laughs> 
It's not, I mean, it's not like the Grim Reaper, but it's a Reaper. <laughs> I am, I am gonna, when I am in Amsterdam, I'm gonna get a tattoo and it put the, put Vakken or W-O-A for Vakken Open Air. I'm gonna get that on it and I'm gonna put 2023 and that way every year I go to Vakken, I'll get another <laughs> year added to it. Don't, it'll be just like, dude, people do that for, for Sturges. I'm, I'm laughing because if you look at Vakken phonetically... <laughs> It says, you know, whacking. It looks like whacking. Whacking. Whacking myself. The like, yeah. I'm like, that could be a double meaning for you, too, because it could also be the number of times you do that in a, in a year. <laughs> whacking in the tool shed. 2023. You know I mean? like, <laughs> or whacking in the tool shed. Um, I was like, Duff, is that is that the is that your count <laughs> like for 2023? 2020. <laughs> Come on, that'd be the first week. <laughs> don't Whackin'. limit me. <laughs> Whacking. I don't like to. Li I don't like to limit myself to labels. <laughs> I like to limit myself. Uh, it's that's. Uh, it's but anyway, like power so slop. I should just get a tattoo that says "Power Slop." Power Slop, but with an edge. Um. But so, anyways, my my picks count down to extinction. Like, I I mean that that album is so cool. I mean. Look, I, I know that a lot of people are going to take the Megadeth or the sorry, the Metallica route and be like, oh, no, their last great album was so far so good. So what? Now they, they you can, know, whatever. They can lick me. But I'm sorry. The Friedman Menza era to me, like or Rust in Peace. I'm sorry. I don't know a single metalhead who doesn't love Rust in Peace. Um, and I know that Countdown it's to Extinction. It's hard to not like them up through euthanasia. It really like, is. It, and I, I like now I like enough of cryptic writings to say I like cryptic writings. I don't love cryptic writings necessarily as a whole, but there are songs on cryptic writings that make it worth having. Almost Honest is a great song. Uh, tr uh, Trust is a good song. Almost yeah, Honest is. is a good song. There are good songs on it. No, it is not up to snuff in comparison to the couple of records before it, but it's a good album. But dude, if you're going to tell me that well, I mean, let's let's say up through hidden treasures, which I know is are covers, but well, no, they're not all covers. Hidden, it's, well, it's, well, not, it's, not, it's me, covers it's and like songs, soundtrack like, songs, like ninety nine ways to die. Were also the, the Marty stuff. Friedman, Nick Menza era stuff, you know. Um, because I'm sorry, I mean, come on, go to hell, angry to again. It's such a ninety nine cool ways to die, and everyone always forgets how good of a song Diadems is and angry um, again. Angry yeah, well, dude, Angry Again. Again, Angry Again is actually, let's be fair, one of Megadeth's best songs from the '90s. I mean, it and really when the story is. Takes a twist. It's. I mean, it was a big song for them too. I, I'm sorry. I, you see, you know, you know, what I actually like most about the Friedman Menza era of Megadeth. That's yeah, when Dave that's Mustaine back. was a character. Like, that's when his vocals, they weren't just him doing this. That he actually, like, had personality in his vocals a lot. Like, that's that's the, the what vocal, he would have done. The dead. Or what is it? The the sick, the dying, and the dead. Like, he would have done it you like know, let's that. Let's say this. Would, could, would you agree that that was the only, like, we're talking from uh, Rust in Peace. No. Not even so much Rust in Peace. Can we say... Countdown to Extinction, Euthanasia, and Hidden Treasures were about the only times in Megadeth's career where the vocals were really, really seemed to be like a major part of the song. Well, no, and like, I like, mean, like hello, me, it's me again. Well, like, before Countdown to Extinction, Dave's vocals were just there. Like, Dave was, you know what I mean? Like, they were the, 
they don't have anybody else to do the vocals, so Dave will do it. I mean, in fairness, Metallica was that way. You know, even a master of puppets, I mean, I, I'm not putting down James's vocals, but James's vocals were just, you know, there's James doing them. The Black Album was really when vocals became a big part of Metallica. I would say Countdown to Extinction and, and, and Euthanasia, that character that you're thinking of is Dave Mustaine. Those songs were totally dependent on him. No, rest I, in I, peace. You could have you could have had a different. You could have had someone else do rest in peace, and it probably there, wouldn't have. There are if hints you got of the, it. Quote unquote, like it, right, the, the bridge of holy good, wars, like that. He does the like, he does the 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 little thing there. Um, uh, Polaris is a little bit like that. You know, like there are songs on there. Hangar eighteen. What's it possibly? I've seen too much. You know, like uh, Hangar eighteen. I know too much, I think, but. But I, I mean, in, there in are hints of it there. But I think, I think really on countdown is where he, he did more. Let me put it this way: he used to sing or he used to do vocals. I think countdown to extinction is where he is where he started doing vocal performances. Right. Well, to where would would you even go? As I will go as. Hey, man, I don't care what anybody says. I will go as far as to say on on countdown to extinction and euthanasia. The vocals are one of my favorite parts about those records. They really are. I love the I love the vocals on Countdown to Extinction and Euthanasia. Not only are they like like on on Rust in Peace, they were well done because they fit. Right? They fit the songs, they were well done. I don't know, man. Countdown to Extinction and Euthanasia. I think if you if you put somebody else on those vocals, I don't know, I don't know if that would be it wouldn't have been that great of a record. No, I don't. Well, I'm not saying it would have been bad, but I actually and like "Angry Again" is a great example. I love Dave's vocals on "Angry Again." I think they're aw- they're they're really awesome. Yeah, there's like there's little things like when he was like you know the whole and when the story takes a twist, you know, like that. Like when he used to do like little vocal enunciations Again, like that. It's, it's it's like Black Album Hetfield. Yeah, it was a huge it was a huge transformation of. But Black Album Hetfield's a character, too. You know, that's when you really started getting the, ooh, yeah, yeah. That's when you started getting those all the time. When when Hetfield, not just as a singer, but as a character, really, because Hetfield's a character, too. But he wasn't really up until that point. L- listen, to, listen to Injustice for All. The vocals are just kind of there. You know? Um, but at least there was some attention paid to him. Uh, but yeah, yeah, dude, I, I actually do. I'm, and I'm sorry to, to derail that, but I, I think Angry Again is a great example. And I like 99 Ways to Die, too. But Angry Again is a, one of my favorite examples of I like. Dave is not a good vocalist, but there was a period of time where I think his vocals were some of the best parts of those records. No, I, I agree. They really like, are. I, even 99 Ways to Die. 99 Ways to Die. You know, like my, I, my I, own. My only problem with Angry Again, by the way, is if you ever find any live versions of it, they speed it up and it ruins it. It cuts the balls off it. It really does. Well, that's, you know, he, he you know, without Nick Menza there, you know, Dave's just like, we got to get his balls, you know? <laughs> it is really, though. They always play it faster live and it's never good. That That is a, because you know why? That to me, like, you know, when you talk about how, how a drummer can make a song heavier, you don't need to to do it to you know do the like six you know 30 second note double bass to make a song heavier nick menza and that that is the perfect example 
of how Nick Menz is literally going bomb, ba, bomb, ba, bomb, ba, and any other drummer playing that, it wouldn't have been as heavy. Like he's literally it's, it's, doing it's, a four-four at like what ninety beats per minute or something. A ba, 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 ba. You know what I mean? Well, dude, it, it's because hey, man, I say this all the time. People can jump on my nuts for being an old man and a curmudgeon. <laughs> I'm a dirty old man, but like, because I don't love a lot of modern drummers when I'm like, dude, I'm terribly sorry, but I'll take Tommy Aldridge over those guys any day of the week. Nick Menz is a Tommy Aldridge kind of guy. The guy, yeah, he plays in the pocket. No, he doesn't do anything fancy. The man hits hard. He knows when he needs extra notes and when he needs not, when he doesn't. Nick Menza knew, knew when to lay back. And he knew when to when to push it. There are times when Nick's playing a lot of stuff, and there's times when he's laying back. Nick Menza was a drummer. He wasn't a f- a person who happens to be what the drum machine would do. I'm serious. Listen, kids, if you want to be a good drummer, start listening to guys like Nick Menza. Well, and Tommy Aldridge is one of my favorite drummers of all time. Like, if there was. If there was ever a drummer that I really wanted to be like stylistically, it was Tommy. But Tommy Aldridge is the, the guy who made me want to be a drummer. Um, the, my first favorite drummer was Tommy Aldridge. But like Nick Menza is one of those guys. Just listen to God. Listen to anything off of Russ and Pete. Well, okay. Listen to Hangar Eighteen. Just listen to Hangar Eighteen. There you go. It's it's the the drums are. Hangar 18 is a great example where it's like the drums are in the pocket, but they're not overly simple. Then you go to stuff like Countdown to Extinction. Listen to Symphony of Destruction. How great those drums are. Yeah, you also go, oh, he's just playing a 4-4, man. Yeah, yeah, well, guess what? Ask your Ask your favorite drummer... <clears throat> like whatever band you listen to whose singer has pink hair and vapes, ask that drummer to play like Nick Menza and he's not going to know how to do it. Especially especially if you tell him he can't listen to a metronome while he's well, doing it. I mean, technically they might, but the problem is, and this is something like I, I remember we were talking it won't about. sound good. We, we, but we were, t- this is what I say. Like we were talking about this Don't with rhythm it. guitar. We were talking about this with rhythm guitar last week when we talked about Malcolm Young. No, Malcolm Young, nothing he played was technically difficult, or at least not much of anything he played was technically difficult. The problem is, there's a difference between playing the notes and making it feel like something. Like, music has feel. Like, I don't care what you tell me. I don't care what anybody tells me. You can you can have a computer play, like, okay, you know what, here we go. Check out any tab site, and no matter how realistic that sounds, it still sounds like a computer playing it. My point yep. is that, like, a drummer and how a drummer plays things, like, you always talk about, uh, um, oh, my God, Phil Rudd. How he, uh, sure, all he's doing is do, tsh, do, tsh, do, tsh. But the problem Man's is, got feel. well, but that's the thing. Like, he's not just going do. Like the whole time you're listening to Phil Rudd doing it, you're you're grooving, like you're grooving like Angus well, does on stage, where you're bopping your head. There's just here's, something. Here's the there's just some like, and I'll, I'll use your, I'll use one of your favorite words. There's some like kind of raunchiness about how he's playing well, it. That like, it's true. It's it's here's he's not just playing the notes. He's you know what I mean. If 
if you don't know dick about drums and you don't know dick about ACDC and I give you their discography, you could pick the albums that he's not playing on. And you would be right. I'm de- am I wrong? Mm-hmm. You could you could you could tell the records that Phil Rudd's not on. I'm telling you right now. If you listen to the records that he's on and then you listen to the records that he's not, you'll know the difference. You'll know the difference. Now, let me You know what's funny? Like if you look at the Phil Rudd albums that he's not on, like Razor's Edge, right? It's a great record. Razor's Edge is a great record. You're going to say to me, well, I didn't know that Phil wasn't on that record. I just knew that that record just sounded different because it's, it's different. You know why? Because Phil wasn't on it. It doesn't sound different and Phil happens to not be on it. It sounds different because Phil's not on it. Like, what I'm getting at is with Phil Rudd, not only can you tell it's not him playing, but the band sounds different when he's not playing. Because the drummer's like that, man. And I, I, dude, Nick Menza did that to Megadeth. He did that for Megadeth. He just did. And Marty Friedman did too. But I mean, Marty Friedman's a freak musician, let's be fair. He's a, he's a unique musician. Marty Friedman is a legitimately irreplaceable guitar player. I'm not saying you can't find other guys to play his stuff. He was just so unique as a guitar player that you weren't gonna you weren't gonna get rid of Nick or Marty and hire someone else and expect it to sound like anything like Marty would have done. Because Marty's whole thing is I don't sound like other people. <laughs> what does he say? He's like, what you gotta do first is learn the rules and you gotta F them. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's like, Yeah, you, you learn the technique and then you F it. <laughs> Dude, man, Marty Friedman's awesome. If you've never watched, if you ever watch interviews with Marty Friedman, it just—they're hilarious, man. <laughs> but Marty Friedman always says, "Technique is not a substitute for creativity," and I think he really hits the nail on the head there. Where like, you can learn a technique all day, but it doesn't substitute creativity. You can play a thousand notes a minute. And it doesn't substitute creativity. Now, you can play a thousand notes a minute and be creative, right? Dude, Rex, how many times have you talked about the song Cold Hate Warm Blood by Cryptopsy? Mm-hmm. It's a million notes a minute, and it's mm-hmm. super technical. But that is one, it's an, dude, that's an interesting song. It's interesting, and it has dynamics too. There's a lot to that song. It's not just. Uh, Cold Hate Warm Blood by Cryptopsy is not just complicated and fast. Because, dude, if it was just complicated and fast, you wouldn't be into it. You you do not get into music because it's complicated. If it's complicated and you like it, there's a reason for it. That's a great example of a song that, yeah, sometimes you can be super complicated and really weird and all over the place and do all this innovative stuff, and it be good to listen to and I, and I like it too um anyway <laughs> anyway 
that's that's a lot about that sort of thing. <laughs> um. Anyway, is there more you would like to throw in about Countdown to Extinction before we? Look, no, I, I'm just really my, excited to go get my it. tattoo and and jazz. And yeah, it's dude, funny because awesome. I'm I'm literally going to go get a tattoo on my on my calf and then almost literally drive home, throw my goalie stuff in the car. I'm gonna bandage it up really good, put a lot of uh, of uh, of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing and I'll explain why in a second. I was gonna say put a lot of aqua four on it, but I almost said put a lot of aqua velva on it. <laughs> yeah, don't put aqua velva on it, you'll hate your life. <laughs> I was like, Actually So that, so for that, the record cheap uh, after shave use. <laughs> I, I have I have a bunch of tattoos, man. I hated getting my calves tattooed. I hated it. Um, and, and dude, I can, dude, I, I can sleep through tattoos. I'm, I'm good with the pain. I'm just saying there's parts of my body that I don't really enjoy. And the back and the back of my calves and outside of my calves, I didn't like my shin was easy in the inside of my calves. I slept through. What's funny is everyone always says the inside of your calf hurts and the outside of your calf doesn't. But I, it, it used to be a running joke that I was a fat guy with Arnold Schwarzenegger calves I I am dude, I'm not muscular. I'm not in good shape. I'm fat and pathetic, and that's fine. But I do have obnoxiously large calves. It's just the truth. If you don't believe me, I will show you sometime. And but by the way, it's not for anything other than the fact that they're genetic. Calves are a genetic thing. So I have like legitimately toned this is so this is stupid but i have legitimately like strong toned muscle on the outside of my calves and because of that it hurt like i'm it sucked i hated getting the outside of my calves tattooed and the back of my calves what i don't like about getting the back of your calf done is like wherever you get a tattoo you always feel it in a different spot there's a medical there's a medical term for it i don't know what it is it doesn't matter it's a pain displacement thing what i don't like about getting my back of my now the back of your calves excuse me the outside of my calves i thought hurt and i didn't like it the back of my calves didn't really hurt from that perspective it's easy what i don't like about getting the back of my calf tattooed is it always felt like i was getting tattooed higher up my leg than i was so it felt like i was getting the back of my kneecap tattooed even though i wasn't getting the back of my so you're like getting your calf tattooed screaming out my balls (laughs) Yeah, I'll, <laughs> look at my package. Oh my um, God, look at my package. But I do know, so, and maybe maybe this doesn't happen to you. Maybe it does. But we're like, I'm serious. You'll be like, dude, like it'll feel like you're getting. Maybe it doesn't work for you, but normally it does. You'll feel like you're getting the back of your kneecap tattooed, even though you're three inches below that. Um, I just, but hey, my calves are tattooed, so I can't. I'm not doing those again. Um. So anyway, dude, I'm 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 happy for you. You'll, you'll have a good time. You'll have a good time with it. Uh, I love getting tattoos. Even like, th- there's a couple of parts of my body that I didn't enjoy. Like I I have large I have a large tattoo on my chest where like when it got closer to the armpit, like that sucked really bad, and I didn't enjoy getting my sternum or like right on my collarbone. The rest of it, eh, easy. But um, for the most part, eh, I can sleep through tattoos. But there's some spots that aren't fun. Um, I'm getting a tattoo in Amsterdam and I don't know where <laughs> I don't even know what yet I know it's going to be something and we're going to put Vakken on it and I'm going to put a year you it might be on my lady, shin it might be, 
Yeah, I, I do need a naked lady. I actually really do want a pinup, but we'll we'll see. We'll we'll see what I get. We'll, we'll see. I don't. I I truly and honest. I honestly and truly don't know. I'm gonna tell your um, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell your buddies that you're going with to, to get you hammered and get you to get a naked lady tattoo. <laughs> wouldn't be that hard to convince me because you know I'm a lush and a pervert, but you know. So anyway, let me tell you about how I came about my pick of the week. Now, my pick of the week is actually kind of interesting because it's actually not what the pick of the week was going to be. But So, yes, I'm seeing Uncle Ted, Ted Nugent, next week. I'm a huge Ted Nugent fan. Don't read more into that than the fact that he's been my favorite guitar player pretty much since I've ever had a favorite guitar player. Like, I just – I love Ted. I love his music. I love how he plays. Um Damn Yankees were one of my first favorite bands. I mean, they came, their first record came out in 1990. I was young. And I just I had aunts and uncles that loved Ted Nugent and loved Damn Yankees and were big fans of Sticks and so I just I listened to a lot of Ted and and I've seen him twice in concert. I'm super excited about it. Can't wait. But that's not my pick of the week. My pick of the week, so let me explain to you kind of like where my pick came from. So, my favorite, my favorite Ingve Malmsteen records, there's a couple that I really love. And clearly the first one, Rising Force, everybody likes Rising Force. It's hard not to if you like Ingve. I like marching out a lot. It's got a, I'll see the light tonight on it. Great song. Um, I like Odyssey because it's got Heaven Tonight on it. But my favorite, there's two Ingve songs that I really, really love, like more than anything else. One is the song The Seventh Sign, but that came out in like 94. In the 80s, my favorite Ingve Malmsteen record is Trilogy which is not everybody's favorite. But first of all, he's fighting a dragon with a Fender Stratocaster on the cover, which that alone is awesome. The cover is awesome. But well, more than anything, I, I the, the first track on Trilogy is um, called You Don't Remember, I'll Never Forget. Mark Bolin was the singer, and he's just incredible. You know, um, it, I, I do legitimately think it's probably the best song Yngwie ever wrote. Um, it's not a guitar solo, like it's an actual song. Well, it, like believe it or not, Ingve has written some actual songs, right? Like Heaven Tonight, this could be paradise. You'll be in heaven tonight. Like that's a real song, right? Um, but the opening track to trilogy is called "If You Don't Remember, I'll Never Forget," and it's got this obnoxiously catchy chorus. I know that's weird. When you think of Yngwie, you don't think of, like, catchy, you're going to sing along with it. But if you've never heard the song, You Don't Remember, I'll Never Forget by Yngwie, it's actually got, like, a really good, like, rhythm guitar riff. I mean, Rex, I know that sounds crazy. But it's got a really cool, like, main riff to the song. I'm like, dude, that's actually kind of ballsy. Like, way to go, Yngwie. Um, the chorus, you know, you don't remember... I'll never forget. Like it's it's just awesome. Yeah, it's kind of a glam song. It was from '86, but it's really really a great song. So anyway, like I've been in a big mood to listen to 
some Ingve and you know, like Marching Out and Trilogy Odyssey. I've been listening to those a bunch lately, and those are not my picks of the week. Uh, Ted Nugent's not either, but. What listening to a bunch of Ted Nugent made me listen to guitar players, which kind of made me want to listen to Ingve, and I was listening to a lot of those songs. And that kind of led me to one of my favorite guitar albums, like of all time. That it, 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 Rex, tell me, maybe I'm crazy, but I know back in back in the eighties, this got. It got some notoriety, but you don't hear this talked about much anymore. And that's uh, the record Maximum Maximum Security by Tony McAlpine. And, like, I think in the world of, of like, great guitar instrumental albums, you know, you've got the – I know it's not entirely instrumental, but, you know, Yngwie's first record – You've got like Joe Satriani's like surfing with the alien. If you want to pick that one, Steve Vai like Passion and Warfare, whichever one you want to pick by him, you know, or you know Eric Johnson. I think Maximum Security by Tony McAlpine is one of those records. I know you would agree, with, Rex. I know you agree with me on that. Um, it's one of those records of just or or like <laughs> hell. <laughs> um, I mean, there's. Al Timiola's Casino is that way too, right? There's one of those all-time great guitar solo instrumental records. If you've never heard it, I mean, I like Tony McAlpine anyway, and he did a bunch of stuff with George Lynch later, and that's all great too. But that Maximum Security record, is just, it's just great. And I, um, I, I just I hadn't listened to it in a while, man, and I was like, God, why have why why have I not listened to this? I don't know why. It had been a while since I listened to it. Um, just a guitar record I've I've loved for a long, long time. A buddy of ours who had nut hugging jeans and liked Dawkin and liked uh, liked when girls wore knee highs. He loved I, he loved Tony McAlpine, um, and I, I I love this record too. So anyway, that's my pick. It started with Uncle Ted, led me led me down to the listening to Ingve. Which made me, for some reason, go. You know what? I haven't listened to Maximum Security in a while, and I threw it on. And I must have listened to this thing like ten times this week. Like seriously, it's just, it's just such a good record, man. I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what it is. Where like, you know, Tears of Sahara, for example, is probably his most well-known song. That's. It's one of those songs where you're like, how is this not? It's like it, it, it's like Far Beyond the Sun or Cliffs of Dover. Like, how is this not one of those songs that every guitar player that wants to play guitar talks about? And I don't know what it was, like why he's often overlooked compared to, you know, Satch or Yngwie. Anyway, love the record. Maximum Security is the name. That's all I got. Awesome. Unless there's something you want to add. No, I like Tony McAlpine, actually. Um, I think it was, he was on, when the, when that metal show was on, he was one of the guest musicians, I believe, one time. Um, he's one of those guys that, um, he got a lot of notoriety in the 80s, and he kind of fell by the wayside when the whole, like, flash guitar thing went out. 
you know when when like you know when bands like Nirvana and all those those types yeah. were were coming out and no one played solos and no sadly, one played guitar he solos like, he wasn't like overly flashy either he well, was he I don't was mean flashy a, I don't mean no, flashy no, I don't like mean, but you know, I mean like as far as shred guitar because he was a shredder too but he was a lot more like tasteful in how he played I think but no I mean all those guitar players lost they shredding was not cool in the early 90s yeah i mean like and that's the thing like all those guys who were known who were characterized as shredders like even malmstein like he was he was still around but he was not any i mean i don't think he's to this day i don't think he's he he has gotten back to the point of where he was in the 80s um satriani the seventh sign the seventh sign is an amazing record and the title track to the seventh sign the vocal's name was michael viscera uh, I don't know how you say it, Viscera, something like that. Um, I want to say Viscera because I'm a WWE fan. But, like, um, the title track to the seventh sign is killer. The vocals are great. But on the other hand, it's like it came out in 94 and no one cared. Because no one cared about Ingve in 94. But anyway. Um, No, what I was going to say, but, yeah, I mean, it's – like a lot of those guys, even Satch, um, and Vi pretty much just stayed afloat by just, I mean, G3 was huge. Like I remember G3 was a big thing for Vi and Satch. And then, you know, they'd, they'd alternate, like it was Eric Johnson for a while. Uh, Ingve Malmsteen yeah, did it for Yngwie. a while. Uh, and then they, I think they brought in, I think the Zach Wild did it for a while too. Um, yeah. But the, I mean, the last, like the last, like Satch album, Flying in a Blue Dream was pretty big. I mean, Surfing in the Alien was one that people think of, but Flying with a, in a Blue Dream was huge. The thing um, about Satch is I think people more know his name than anything he's ever written. Big Bad, by the way, the song Big Bad Moon is really the last, like, which is on on um, Flying in a Blue Dream. That was probably the last song that, like, he got much out of. But, I mean, like, I Other think when he's the guy that taught... Kirk Hammett, was, so people know I, that I was just about to say he 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 also is the guy that taught Tom Morello, um, and yeah, I I think that's I think that's what it boils down to is that with Satriani, he's one of those guys that I think your average person, and, and I'm I don't mean a person who's a guitar player or a fan of this type of music, but I mean your average person if they've heard of Did Joe he Satriani, he has more of a reputation I, I, than he than he has like recognition. You know what I mean? Did he teach Tom Morello too? Because I know Michelangelo Badio did. I think I thought I always thought Morello said he took lessons from Satriani, but I could be mistaken. I don't know. Let me. Look, I'll look it up. Um. Uh. Ba da ba da ba da. Uh. Ba da Huh, I don't know. I can't necessarily find anything. Joe Santra, I'm curious about this. Um I don't know either. Who knows? I don't know. I, I do know that I do know that Michelangelo Badio was one of Tom Morello's teachers. I know that for a fact. And the reason I know that for a fact is because Michelangelo Badio mentions it constantly. He mentions it constantly, it's the only reason I know that. I don't know. He says that a young Tom Morello before he was famous, came to Michelangelo to find out, like, 
how do I play faster? Which is funny because he doesn't play fast, but whatever. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Satriani I mean, I mean, was one of those guys. He used to give guitar lessons, and I mean, he was one of those guys that taught everyone. I think everyone except for me took lessons from Joe Satriani. So, <laughs> well, dude, he literally he was Steve Vai's teacher. I know. Well, yeah, he's one of them. Yeah, Alex Skolnick. Like he, he I, there were guys he taught. I, I could look up who else he taught, but I'm gonna do that now. I could be mistaken, but either way, no, um, no, Tom Morello definitely learned from Michael, but I'm not saying he didn't learn from anybody else. The thing, but like I said, like Doesn't I think matter. Satriani is one of those guys where, where if you ask your a random person, oh hey, do you know Joe Satriani? Oh yeah, he's an amazing guitar player. Do you know any of his songs? No, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like surfing with even I. Think about it was I was never into Satriani. I was always way more into Vi. Um, I like Tony McAlpine. I do have the album you're talking about. Um, it's, it's great. It really it is. is. Great. And I listened to it when I, I got it, it like maybe four or four or five I, years ago. Am I crazy? But like, okay, there are guitar player records that you listen to because you're a guitar player. And there's also guitar player records that you listen to because they're actually just good to listen to. I mean, in fairness, the first Yngwie record is a great record, whether or not you're a guitar player. Now your ships are burned and the evil has returned. Yeah, that's and it's creeping fine, up on you like, and there's nothing you can do. After that record, Yngwie wrote some actually decent like vocal melodies. But I would say that you could hand this record. If you said to someone, are you cool with listening to an instrumental record? They would like it. I mean, you don't have you, you don't listen to this record because you necessarily want to hear a great guitar player. It's a good record to listen to. It depends, and you know this is something I was I was I actually posted this, and I know there's like something Clips else. Clips of Dover by Eric Johnson, like you don't have to be a guitar player to like that song. I, I know that. Well, yeah, I mean that's it's, it was a radio hit. People like love that song, but yeah. but uh, my point I was actually going to say, um, and you know I know there's something you want to talk about, so I don't want to dominate this. But talking about you know things like Tony McAlpine. I posted this on my personal Facebook page. I mean, it's not on the show's Facebook page, but I, I thought I'd actually bring it up on the show and ask you. Um, um, <laughs> um, I, you know, I was, and we've, we've mentioned this on the show before, and it's just something I kind of wanted to bring up again because I was thinking about it, you know, as I'm going through my records and stuff like that, how... You know, the we've kind of come full circle. So I did a little bit of research because I was genuinely curious and I never actually kind of really thought about it before. But I know in the 1950s, when you would go into a record store, you didn't buy an album. You bought a single. You know, maybe it had a B-side, but you bought a single. So if you wanted to hear Buddy Holly, you bought That'll Be The Day. And the album era you know, really didn't start. And when I, when I say the album era, when people started buying mass amounts of LPs and the focus really became on selling albums instead of singles. It, and this is based on my research. Somebody could tell me I'm completely wrong and, and full of crap here. This is just based on what I read. Didn't start until the mid sixties where the LP became affordable. I, I, from what I understand, it was kind of like DVDs where, yeah, or, or, or CDs. Yeah, you could buy a CD in the 1980s, but you were going to pay like $40 a CD. Same with VHS tapes. You could buy a copy of a movie in 1982, but it was going to cost you $80. You know, it, it, so 
yes, there were albums, but really and truthfully, it was one of those things where where, where it exists, but it's not really consumer grade until it becomes affordable like in the 90s cds became affordable cd players became affordable i remember when dvd players cost like four hundred dollars i remember when blu-ray players cost like four hundred dollars i remember like the the number one reason people got playstation twos were because they doubled as dvd players like back there was a time when it was actually economical to get a stinking video game system just to play DVDs, yeah, and that, that's oh, what I mean. So I worked. We worked at Blockbuster. I we remember these things. So, but that's what I mean. You know, all new technology. Like I said, yeah, you know, I, I still remember. You know, people talking about you know, like there was a mini. You remember the mini discs? Like those were popular yeah. for about like a week and a half. Where Sony was trying to was trying to. They were like the little cartridges, and they you you uh, put them into like the mini disc player. And uh, I remember those. But anyway, so. My point being is supposedly based on what I read, the album era started in the mid 60s. Now we're back to people, in my opinion, generally don't yeah, care about albums. They, like, it, I, don't, I don't mean I don't mean in metal. Actually, that my po- my whole point is to saying is to say that I think metal is still one of the few places. And when I say metal, I mean more of the underground scene. Like, I. I mean, like the death metal scene, the the still the th- the underground thrash scene, the black metal scene, the doom metal, where I think you don't say, you know, oh, this how al- this person released a new song and I love it. You say, oh, that album is coming out and I can't wait to s- listen to it. Um, it's kind of interesting to me how we've kind of come full circle where thanks to iTunes and Spotify and, and all and, and Apple Music and whatever streaming service, we're all back to kind of or, you know, people seem to be generally back to just focusing on the single. Now, I know that artists still release albums, but, you know, I've noticed that there are a lot of artists who actually still focus on singles now, um, you know. I, I and there's there's pluses and minuses. I mean, how many albums did we buy in the '90s where we're like, "Oh, that song rules! I can't wait to get the album." And then you put the album on, and the entire thing is a piece of crap except for that one song, and you're pissed. You're you're thinking to yourself like, "Dude, I just spent like 16 bucks on this song. I could have taped it off the radio." You know what I mean? Like, it's just funny like that. But it's just something I was thinking about. You know, as I'm putting away my records and albums and things, I'm thinking to myself like. I've listened to all of these albums. Like I've I've like enjoyed all of these albums. I wonder how many people are left out there who will say like you were just talking about, you know, listening to an entire album where you know or would people like say, "Hey, you got to listen to Tony McAlpine. What song should I check out?" You know, w- w- like if you were to ask a random person, "Hey, you know, there's this guy Tony McAlpine, he's a great guitar player. You should check him out. What song?" Like I think a metal person would say, "Oh, which album should I listen to?" Whereas a person who's mostly used to listening to like top forty radio would be like, "Oh, what song should I check out?" You know what I mean? Maybe it's an attention yeah. span thing. I I don't know, but I I've just kind of noticed that that it seems like artists live and die on the single again. And yes, to a point, they always did. I understand that. I understand that with radio, even when radio was big, artists lived and lived and died on singles. But those singles were always used to push the album. Like, you wouldn't say, here's a great song by this artist. You should go get that song. No, you'd say, it's off this album. Go pick it up. 
You know what I mean? I think now it's like, here's this single by this person. You can buy it on iTunes for 99 cents. Make sure to go stream it on Spotify. You know what I mean? And the yeah, rest of the music uh, they write is kind of like ancillary to that. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, it's hard for me because I'm an album guy anyway. And you know another thing? Do you think like, people... Like I, I mean, I've said this before, though, like with me, I am more, I mean, dude, like, like I, there's a reason why I like bands like Queensryche or like, I like, I love concept albums. Like, like if you look at my favorite albums of all time, like Rush 2112 or Queensryche Operation Mindcrime, you know, I love concept records of Seventh Son of a Seventh Son or... You know, records like like Gretchen goes to Nebraska, where, ever where where like you you can't listen to one song on Gretchen goes to Nebraska and get it. I mean, I know that sounds weird, but like the album is so diverse, and they 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 do so many different things on that record that understanding King's X, you can't do it with one song. You got to give the whole record. So like, so many of my favorite bands are bands who approach it that way. So I'm just a fan of full albums. So, so it's hard for me to wrap my head around the bands who put out a single. Because if a band a only has one song, I probably am not that into them. Let me ask you a question. I'm not do I don't you, like the song. Yeah. Do you think that... So if you look at how how bands used to record in the past, and, you know, of course there's always exceptions. I mean, there's, there's you know, always history of, of a band having that hit single and they write, you know, the one hit wonders. They ride that single to this day, some of them. Like, some people will still go see, you know, uh, uh, BTO, you know, Bar- Back- Backman. I know Bach it's Backman. But, well, he says it's Backman, but he said people have been mispronouncing his name for years, so he's just gone with it. Wow. I mean, how many people go see about. them just to hear Taking Care of Business? Play Taking Care of Business. No, get, skip to the working overtime part. Um, I love The Simpsons, but you know, I mean, how many no, people I go to this day? Think of that. Well, yeah, me neither. It's no new crap. Play, taking care of business. We already did. Play it again. Play you it know, again. Like, that's my every, point. No, though. Swear to God, every time that song comes on the radio, when it's done, I yell, "Play it again! <laughs> Play it again!" Get to the skip to the working overtime part. But I mean, like seriously, I know that, that there are one-hit wonders. But it always used to be at least the way I understood it. And of course, you know, I've never been a major recording artist. You would record an album and find a single. You know, you would record, here's our album. Which song should we lead with? It wouldn't be, we have this really great song. I mean, yes, this happened. But that's how I've always seen music. Like when bands would go into the studio, they've said, okay, we've got to find the single on this album. Like the, the even the Black Album with Metallica. I mean, was that the album, and I, I could be way off base here, where they didn't want to lead with Enter Sandman, but they ended up doing it anyways because Bob Rock... I, I forget if that was the one I'm thinking of. It no, could have Bob been something Rock different. wanted it to be um, Holier Than Thou. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I knew there was something like that. wanted their first single to be Holier Than Thou. But I... Yeah, you're right. I, I knew it was something along those lines, like, that were... Because so, they so thought that, he was crazy for saying that. And that's... You know, well, he was, obviously... Um, thank God they didn't listen to him. Can you like? I couldn't imagine holier than thou being even a shred as big as Enter Sandman was. Um, it's got such a. It's that song is just. I I I am sick of it to no end. But that yeah, song too, still but... has one of the catchiest hooks 
well, of yeah, all of Kirk, all time. Kirk and, and that, that riff that Kirk wrote was just yeah, yeah. just the exit light, like uh. that whole part of it. Um, but anyways, so well, I don't know. Damn record I, is that way. I mean, I just now, but I mean, is, my friend of misery is the only like crap song on the record, and it's only a crap song because it was supposed to be an instrumental. Yeah. Newstead wrote that song as an instrumental, and then he was like, "Yeah," and then then they made it what it was. Like Newstead was never happy with the song because it wasn't how he wrote it. But yeah, anyway, continue. I was gonna say, but you know, and, and I know that bands have always been doing this. Oh, I except mean, for by the way, the Borknagar cover of that song is better than the original. Blow me if you disagree. I was gonna say though, you know, and I know bands have been doing this forever, but. It just music now to me, and, and I mean general pop music. You know, they walk in the studio. They probably haven't heard the song or seen the lyrics before they actually walk into the studio. They record their you know singing parts and then they leave. I mean, I get that pop. I mean, pop stars have been doing that since the beginning. But now, I mean, at least then it was like, you know, here's a pile of songs. Now it's like here's one song. We're gonna put this out. We're gonna make you big off this. You're gonna and you know forget the rest of it. I don't know. It's just. I think that, you know, for a long time I was a playlist person because I, I, I have trouble paying attention, you know, meaning my brain, if I'm listening to an album, I'll hear a part of a song that reminds me of a different song. So then I want to listen to that song. And, and it my brain kind of goes in that direction where I I have trouble paying it. You know, my I want to listen to something different at all times. Like it's one of those things where I wish I could like be like in the matrix and listen to every song all at once, but I obviously can't do that. So I used to like, like playlists because then it was like my, you, it would keep me kind of guessing, you know, it would keep me engaged. Plus the fact most of the time when I was listening to music, I was on a bus or a train, you know, going to work from, from New Jersey into the city or from the city to a different part of the city. So, you know, I, I wanted to stay alert. I wanted to like make sure I didn't zone out or whatever because you you know you you don't want to miss your stop or anything else. There's there was a time where I almost ended up in Brooklyn, because um, I you know whatever. But either way, I digress. Um, but I I don't know. Like I you know one of the reasons I got into vinyl like six seven years ago again um, was you know originally we did it we we bought vinyl in high school because it was more affordable. You know you could walk in and buy a stack of records for what you'd pay for one CD. Um, but I got into it again because it's not as easy to juggle. Like it's not as easy to have that short attention span when you put on a record. So you're kind of forced to listen to the record. You know, it actually takes effort to get up, take the record off the turntable, put it away, get a new one out, find the track, listen to it. You know, and, and it, it's a process like you could, but whereas with iTunes, it's click, 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 click. So I think that, you know, I, I've come to appreciate albums more now um, because I really think iTunes destroyed my my attention span. I really think that the whole the, the biggest impact MP3s had on my life, for as convenient as they are, where they completely destroyed my attention span, and I've been gaining it back with, with by listening to records and analog uh, media, or you know at least physical media. So. I don't know. I, I, I've come to appreciate albums more, and there's a lot of albums that I have. I'm, I'm really happy that I listen to the album rather than like, oh, I'll listen to this once, then I'll pick up my three favorite songs and throw it on a playlist and maybe never listen to it again. You know, I, 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 I like the idea 
of having favorite albums instead of favorite songs. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having favorite songs, but I don't know. It's just something like to a body of work of an artist versus just like, here's a snapshot. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, uh, no, no, I mean, I, I completely agree, but it's because I, I, I just like it that way. I, I, but you know, again, go back to what I said earlier. I like Queensryche, but Operation Mindcrime or, you know, I, I mean, when you're, when, when you're, when you're listening to a band like Queensryche, yeah, okay, so you hear, if, if, if when I say Queensryche to you, you, you know, you think of, I don't know, silent lucidity, or or even not that, because I, I know that's very like Pink Floyd esque. But you think of uh, uh, Jet City Woman. I like think of Jet City Woman for Queensrÿche. Mm-hmm. Like, what a great song that is, and I know you love that song. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 think of Queensrÿche, you think of Jet City Woman, you're like, that's a great song, because it is undeniably great song. But when you think of Queensrÿche in terms of well, actually, hell, that that record. But when you think of Queensryche, well, hell, I use you as an example. I I know you 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 liked that song and you like stuff of Empire, but then you listen to Operation Mindcrime, and you go, oh oh oh. You're whoever, if you if you're if your interpretation of Queen of Queensryche is Silent Lucidity or Jet City Woman or, you know, that sort of thing. Another Rainy Night Without You, a great song. If that's your opinion of Queensryche, you'll like them. Listen to Operation Mindcrime start to finish. Tell me your opinion. I mean, and Rex, call, call my bullcrap if I'm wrong. When you listen to the Operation Mindcrime all the way through... You get a different opinion of Queensryche. You get a di- you see something completely different about that band than you would have if you just thought of them as the band who did Jet City Woman. And oh, you yeah, knew Queensryche. I mean, I'm not, I'm not throwing this like I'm not pretending you didn't know them, but like when you listen to Operation Mindcrime in its entirety, it was a different experience than just the couple of songs that they had that were generally big hits. Well, but I'm saying, yeah, I agree with you because, I mean, if you only know Queensryche from it's Silent just, it's Lucidity, just a good, I mean, and that's just a random example, but still, if you only know Queensryche from Silent Lucidity, you're going to assume that they are a band like you know, '90s era Pink Floyd. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and and you know, again, like Jet City Woman is another example of like, it's a great song. It is, and even Operation Mindcrime. Like eyes of the eyes of a stranger, and I don't believe in love. We're singles. They're great songs, but they do not demonstrate the magnitude of that record. And I don't mean to just just keep pointing on Operation Mindcrime. I mean, there's a million examples. Um, I don't know. I just, I just think I, I guess I maintain that that listening to albums by bands are. Is a it's just it's a it's a better experience than listening to individual songs. And actually, you know, let me throw this out too. 
you, you one of the best things about listening to albums as opposed to songs by bands. Oftentimes when you hear an album, you hear more of what the band intended. Random example. Cherry Pie by Warrant. If the only song you know is Cherry Pie, your opinion of that record is drastically different than if you listen to the record. Because the record, the rest of the album doesn't sound like that. I mean, am I wrong? The rest of the record does not sound like that. The rest of the record is what the band intended. Meaning, like, oftentimes a band will release an album and there'll be one song on it that the record label made them put on it. You know, like, Kissin' Time off the first Kiss record. Like, oftentimes there's one song that was label-influenced. Or one song that was the single, but it's the outlier. Like, there, there's oftentimes better stuff on the record. So, I don't know how I feel about it. I'm also drinking heavily, so if I'm rambling, like, you know, <laughs> deal with it. It's cool. So, I mean, yeah, I, I just something I was interested in. Like, well, I'd be curious to know what everybody's opinions are here. You know, have we reached an era of, you know, and again, metal, I don't think will ever abandon the album. Because I just think it's one of those things where, you know, even on battle vests, like you don't, you don't see like people wearing patches of their favorite songs. You see people wearing patches of their favorite albums or, you know, so it's, I I think the album is so ingrained into metal that it's going to be impossible to make it go away. Even when metal was going back to being mainstream meaning like the new metal movement it was still albums you know what i mean like you still heard about limp Bizkit's album and there was more than one song off of it that got you know recognized you heard about corn's albums like whereas like you know you don't see Nicki minaj's new album and and if it is mentioned it's usually featuring the single blah 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 and again i know it's always been like that i know that singles have always driven albums and stuff like that that's not what i'm saying at all I'm saying that now a single used to like my point is a single used to be made to get you to buy the album. Now I think singles are made just for to stand alone, you know, and, and me like I know Taylor Swift release albums, releases albums and they're always big sellers and stuff like that. You know, maybe she's an exception, but I, I know, especially in a lot of pop music, I've just noticed that you don't hear about people. You don't see that. Oh, that's a great album anymore. You hear, Oh, I love that song. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm kind of shielded, or I, I, I've never been in the pop music. Even when pop music was rock music, I still always enjoyed albums. Maybe it's just that I, I never noticed it until now, or it's in it's the way it's always been. I don't know. Who knows? But, anyways, uh, I, I just it just popped into my head the way you were talking about you know Tony McAlpine and and, uh, um, you know how how it's a great album and stuff like that but i'm like you know there's there's so many albums that i've listened to in the past like four or five years that if you were to tell me like well what song should i listen to i'd be like uh i don't know listen to the album you know what i mean like it's it's one of those things like it i we were talking about this too a, a while back and i can't remember if it was season one or season two about how you know di- i i always thought i was a weirdo because you know, the whole name five songs thing. There are some bands where if you ask me name five songs, I'll struggle. 
but I could name their entire album catalog from front to back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because I enjoy the band's albums. I listen to them as a body of work instead of yeah. saying, oh, I'm going to yeah, listen to that I, song I and that song and that song. So, you know, that that's the other thing, too, where yeah. honestly, like, like I'm that way with Deicide. Like, yeah, I'm actually a pretty big Deicide fan, but all every one of their songs is called God is Dumb. Like nine times out of ten, I forget the name of the song. I'm like that I, I with mean, Death. Oh, oh God, Death's another one. Like I, I know a like if you ask me name name it, I could I could name the five songs with Death, but I could tell you their entire album catalog from <laughs> from Scream Bloody Gore up through, and I know this isn't a Death album, but it's a Chuck album, Control Denied. But I couldn't. If you were to, like, if you were to put me on the spot and say name name three songs off of each of those albums, I'd be like, uh, because I mean, you admittedly, know, I'm not a huge Death fan. I like them enough to own all of their albums and have listened. I mean, we even did in season one a whole retrospective of the whole of their entire catalog. But you know, they're they're one of those bands where if I'm going to listen to Death, I'm going to put on an album and listen to it. I'm not going to sit there and you know memorize the track list. You know what I mean? It's funny you say that because, like, in fairness, there are an ass ton of bands that I could name all their albums. I could tell you who played on them. And I could sing along to the whole damn record and couldn't name songs. Because I think of the bands in terms of their career in terms yeah. of their discography, in terms of the records. Yeah, I mean, I could, truly. Yeah. Candle like, Mass like, is like, another like one. A I, band like, a band like, I don't know, God, like power metal bands fall into this all the time. Primal Fear, I think of them like records, and I could sing along to every song on the record. If you ask me to name five Primal Fear songs, I'm going to go, well, I could do it. But I'm like, uh... Do you want me to sing along? Like, Legacy of Kings by Hammerfall. I, I'm telling you right now. I know the words to every song on their record. If you ask me to name five songs off it, I'll probably blank. Because I think of Legacy of Kings as a record. Like, if you've never heard Legacy of Kings by Hammerfall, holy crap. Put the damn thing on. It's amazing. Listen to Renegade by Hammerfall. Holy crap. It's amazing. Crimson Thunder, holy crap. Hammerfall has three records. Their first record's good, but their second, third, and fourth album in a row, they're, they're, they're ball-shaking, amazing albums. But you got you to, gotta, they're, 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 not, they're not that amazing if you only heard one song. If all you knew was Let the Hammer Fall, you would not be a Hammerfall fan. No, there's a lot of bands like that. Crimson Thunder on a whole. You'll be a fan. For me, it falls into like death metal, like Autopsy. I I oh, own. No, no, no. I probably own almost. I think the only Autopsy album I don't own is uh, S Fun. Yeah, yeah, that's well, the only Autopsy I album I don't own. I love Autopsy, but I listen to their albums. Like I put on an album and I listen to it. And, you know, I mean, when I was a teenager, with Napalm Death. Yeah, with Cradle of Filth. When I was a teenager, I would I would sit there and I'd memorize the track list and I you know everything else. But now as an adult, like you know, because as a teenager, it was kind of like one of those like you know oh, I gotta know this stuff. I gotta know this stuff. You know what I mean? Like you felt like you had to know it because now I'm like, dude, I've been listening to metal for literally 
almost my entire life because I mean I grew up or I grew up listening to like Ozzy and Dio and Judas Priest and all that stuff. Literally, it was playing in my house. My mother used to put me to sleep as a baby by putting on "Comfortably Numb" by Pink Floyd, and I remember hearing like uh, like all that stuff when I was growing up. Like my MTV was on in my house almost the entire day. So all summer vacation, if it was raining out, I was watching MTV. My point being in all of that was, I remember, I you know, it's funny actually, dude. I have a memory of, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this. I don't know if I ever told you this story. I have a memory of being, I don't even know how old I had to have been, single digit, young single digits. Like I'm talking like four, five. I remember taking a bath and my parents were listening to, um, to Breaker by Accept, and I remember hearing hearing "Son of a Bitch" come on. Yeah, I know you you told me that. Yeah, but... and I remember like, oh, son of I was a like bitch. this little kid in the bath, and all of a sudden I hear, yeah, "Son of a bitch, you a hole." And I'm thinking to myself, like, I just taking a bath as a kid, song, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I love that song. It's so good. But I remember it like I, I so I have these memories of these things like you know play like of these clips and it's funny because a lot of my memories are you know i, I i've always i i just actually just t- telling somebody this t- this past week i was like i'm into a lot of things i'm into like star wars and comic books and and nerd stuff you know comic book star wars I, i'm a big huge movie buff guy and everything else like that but the thing is i go in and out of those hobbies meaning Okay, the last yeah, the last three Star Wars movies sucked, so I really haven't paid much attention to Star Wars in like probably five, four, four, five, six years. Uh, aside from me watching the shows, Marvel, I'm completely burned out on anything comic book related. I am just so burned out because it's just everywhere now. It used to be cool; it used to be an escape, but now it's like shoved down your throat. So I'm like just kind of burned out on that. Not as interested. Um, even movies, I'm like most a lot of the movies coming out now are comic book movies, so it's like goes hand in hand with being burned out. But music is the one thing in my life from the time, like it's just been one of those things where it, it's never kind of gone out for me. I've never lost interest in music, you know. I yeah, my, mine has never wavered. It's never even wavered. Right. It's never even been like hey, I'm kind of like no. It's it's always and I'm dude. I'm with you. Like I, I've I've been I'm to a, places I'm a big, where. I was, I was gonna, gonna say, say I, like I'm a big Warhammer 40k guy, and like I'll do nothing but want to paint models for like a month, and then, eh, I won't for a while. Like I, yeah. dude, I'm I'm obsessive into things that come and go, and they don't really ever go away. But, dude, I'll, I'll go a year without caring about Warhammer, and then I'll be all into it again. It just happens. But metal yeah. has never gone away. It's always been there. Yeah, I mean, music in general, like, I mean, you know, perf- I, I even say performance and enjoyment because, you know, I've always had my guitars around. I will say, like, when I lived in Manhattan and couldn't really play them loud, I had to play them through headphones because I lived in an apartment. I played a lot less because it's just not fun sure. playing through headphones, um, you know, sitting there in like a small apartment with like your iPad and, you know, plugged in with headphones. It's just not as fun as playing through an amp. But the thing is, like. I, I don't know. Like, that's one thing I've always said is a constant in my life. So it's funny how so many of my memories are tied to music. Like, even if I have a memory that isn't music specific, 
I'll still listen to music from that era and it will trigger those memories from me. Um, but anyway, I forget what I was talking about before we got onto that topic. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's just funny how, uh, I don't know. It's like, so, you know, so like, like I was saying before, like, so I, I, I was going to, you know, when I, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say when I was a teenager, I used to feel like I needed to prove something, you know, like, oh, I need to memorize the track list on this album or whatever. But, you know, oh, I got I to gotta know this. I gotta, now I'm just like, dude, I am so, I've listened to this music for like my entire life. I got nothing. If somebody walked up to me and pointed at a patch of my battle vest and named five songs, I would literally tell them and be like, dude, I was listening to this. I mean, depending on the album, dude, I was listening to this album. Before you were, before you almost ended up, <laughs> I've been listening to this album before your dad forgot to pull out. <laughs> Walk on home, boy. Walk like, on home, know. boy. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, man. I, and I've said this before, like, it, well, it's a weird thing where, like, I, you know, I take pride in my Iron Maiden t-shirt and I want someone who's wearing an Iron Maiden t-shirt to, you know, to, to care about it too. But on the other hand, what you wear doesn't impact me. Like, I wear an Iron Maiden t-shirt because I love it. Whether or not you do, eh, piss it. I don't care. Um, so, okay. So, like, uh, we've been at this for a little while. We've got... Um, <laughs> Good thing you got your bladder buster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those... One of those... Uh, um, one of those things. <laughs> it's true. Um, so... Why don't oh, we jump true. into? Why don't we jump into one? Well, uh, do you want to take a break or do you want to jump into the other topic? And which probably won't uh, last that long. I'm fine. It depends on if you're you gotta you know. No, I know we're good. You, if you gotta you like you know empty your bladder buster or whatever. No, no, no. We're good. We're good. I got I got I got bladder busters here. If I gotta empty it, I'll I'll take care of it. <laughs> By the way, that site we talked about last week, uh, uh, what Creeporama, I believe Creeporama.com, where we bought our Wayne's World Nairheads shirts. Yeah. They released Encino Man shirts and Biodome shirts, and one of them has a big. I think it's the Biodome shirt that has in big letters "Bladder Buster" on it. I, I sent that to you. And I'm like, dude, you gotta buy this. So true. So, all right, something else I wanted to, to, to talk about, and this this might be another episode that doesn't run very long, and that's okay. But I am not gonna go down a rabbit hole with this. I'm just not. But something that I've been thinking about. So, there is a country singer. We don't need to get into specifics, but there is a country singer who is causing a lot of controversy he's shocking everyone because he posted an opinion about things that are going on politically and this person is on the opposite side of the spectrum as a lot of people and it's causing a lot of controversy it's a big shocking thing etc etc what I get thinking about, though, is that 30 years ago, when Marilyn Manson wanted to be a shock rocker, someone who really shocked you, who really made people crazy and, like, made people protest his shows, the man had to work for it. You know, you had to not get them mom like you just don't get me mom like he had to be one of them 
He had to, like, Marilyn Manson had to work really hard to be extreme in shocking people. Think of all the different artists. I mean, Alice Cooper back in the 70s or whatever. Think of all the shock rockers there were. And even outside of music, I mean, early Howard Stern or there was a guy named Bubba the Love Sponge. He was big for a while. Um, but all these people in entertainment and in music that made their notoriety, that became famous because they were shock rockers, right? Well, now in 2023, you don't really have to work for it. You literally could just get up on stage and say, I voted for the other guy. And there would be protests outside. You'd, you'd be all Loudwire would never, and all the other suck ass metal magazines would never stop talking about you. Look at John Schaefer and Iced Earth. Again, I'm not talking specifically, please do not take this as me making, I'm not trying to make this a political conversation. That's not the point. John Schaefer and Iced Earth, Loudwire and all the other suck ass metal magazines never mentioned them ever. Ever. And then John Schaefer does something that was politically opposite of the side of, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, his name's in the papers. To do that 30 years ago, you would have had to have been Marilyn Manson and convinced people that you were from the Wonder Years and you had a rib removed so you could blow yourself. Like... My question is this, I guess, like to be a shock rocker now, all you have to do is make a political statement about voting for the other guy. So is it possible for a band or an artist to ever actually be shocking again? I know we keep saying the word shocking. But there were so many artists. But even, let, let's go outside of the Alice Cooper, Marilyn Manson thing. Slayer. Because they were, you know, evil and satanic or whatever. But think of all those bands that pushed envelopes and they were shocking. And they, they got their notoriety because they were offensive or blah, blah, blah. Quite literally, and correct me if I'm wrong. The only possible way you could do that is if you positioned yourself politically in a different aisle. Other than that, like, is there literally any way that you could really be that shocking or, or edgy now? And, it, and And is it even possible? Like, is the era of the shock rocker dead? I know I said a lot. I'm sorry I, I rambled, but does any, if anything I said made sense, like, how do you feel? Like, it, could you be a shock? Well, well, is the idea of being a shock rocker or a band who's shocking or whatever dead? Because the only, or is the only, or is it not dead? It just has to be political. Like, I don't, I don't know. This one's interesting for me. And I, I'm half, dude, I'm half schlitzed if I'm not making sense. <laughs> Deal with it. Anyway, um, Rex, jump jump in and help me out here. 
uh, you know, I the different. I think there's a difference. Um, well, first of all, it's easier to set people off now. Um, before there was only certain groups you could set off, meaning, you know, a lot of even with Marilyn Manson. Parents generally would kind of frown, but then, you know, they would think about like, well, you know, I liked Kiss and I liked Alice Cooper. I mean, assuming they were into that kind of stuff, you know, maybe like highly religious people would be a little bit more horrified or whatever. Even teachers and, you know, stuff like that were just kind of like, eh, you know, you, I mean, you, you, you remember Bart Simpson t-shirts used to be banned from school. Beavis and Butthead t-shirts used to be banned from school. So it was just one of those kind of blanket things. I, but I really think it was only like the super hyper – look, and I'm not criticizing anybody who's religious, so please don't like – don't take offense if you're like – I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm just saying, you know, you'd see like the people who would pick at concerts. You know, the people – I mean, you and I went to like Stone Temple Pilots concerts and people were outside picketing saying we we're listening I, to I, Devil's I, I saw Christians picket a concert for the band Live. Yeah. Who were a Christian band from York, Pennsylvania, but anyway. So like, I mean, but that, that you know, you'd see that them getting upset. I think now, I don't think it's done for shock value as much as it's done because we're so. And this is going to be a hard conversation to not talk politics. And by the way, I'm not endorsing when, when I talk about this right now. I am not endorsing one side. I'm not endorsing the other. This show, as you know, we don't talk about politics on this show it's never been a portion part of the show it never will be a part of the show we're not here to deliver messages we're not here to tell you how to think we're here to talk to you about music and make recommendations for things you might enjoy not try to add more strife you know part of the you know we've said from the beginning this show is meant to be an escape from all the bs that happens in real life not not to add to it or to contribute to it or participate in it um my point i was going to say though is I think now, in terms of be a shock rocker, you know, before it was, oh, just have a devil tattooed on your arm and sing about how much you love Satan or mention Satan in one of your songs, and you're going to make, you know, what they used to, like, you're going to make the PMRC crowd, for lack of a better term. Uh, for those, Oh, the Tipper Gore. Yeah, the, like, the, for those of you who don't, you know, maybe who are younger, PMRC in the 1980s tried to, like, censor music. They were the ones that, you know, if, you, if, if you've never, so if, maybe if you're younger, and you've never seen uh, uh, the, the the speech D. Snyder gave on Capitol Hill when they were do, talking about the PMRC, go to YouTube and just search D. Snyder Capitol Hill or D. Snyder PMRC. Yeah. It is a master class in yeah, how you handle... Just, Google, just look up D. Snyder. It'll probably be the well, first thing to come Yeah, I mean, well, he, he's, he's very polarizing politically now, too. He has a lot of opinions, so I, mean, I wouldn't necessarily know about that, but... It's a master class in how yeah, to God handle... God forbid anybody have opinions. Well, but I'm saying it's a master class in how to handle somebody who's trying to mischaracterize what you're doing. Um, and, and it's a master class. And, and truthfully, there was uh, three people who who uh, were most well-known for having testified in terms of the music industry, and that was Frank Zappa, John Denver, yep, John and Dee Snyder. And... All of them. And it's funny because when John Denver walked in, the politicians were like, oh, John Denver is going to be on our side. He's going to be all for this. He actually sided with Dee Snyder and Frank Zappa. And they were like horrified because they're like, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, Rocky Mountain High. Mr. Rocky Mountain High is going to come in here and tell us that we shouldn't censor Under the Knife by by Twisted Sister and we shouldn't Under censor Venom and and... 
you know, Rat and all these other like people on like the what was it, the Dirty Sixteen or whatever. Yeah, the Dirty Dozen. Yeah, and all them. But but so we were so they they were like horrified. Like all of those testimonies are awesome. I watch them quite. I actually watch them almost annually, if not more than that, just because I just love seeing that. But you know now. You know, before, you, you know, you would be like Slayer. Oh, we're going to put pentagrams on everything. And by the way, I, all of these bands that do this stuff, none of them believe it. I mean, yes, of course, there's like the outliers, like the the some of the black metal bands, like, uh, uh, what was it? Um, you're, you know, like the, the one guy that in, I'm not into black metal and I'm only casually a fan. Um you know, it wasn't Dark Throne. I forget, you know, the, the, with Euronymous, who he shot himself. Yeah, and, if you're going to do some Burzum and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, like there's, you know, like maybe, you know, they're burning churches and crap. Like, yeah, there are bands out there, but generally speaking, like Slayer. Dude, Tom Maria is, I hate to break it to you, Tom Maria is a Christian. Like, Tom Maria is, like, fully in, like, I remember seeing an interview with him where they were talking about the title God Hates Us All. And he's like, yeah, we did that because we thought it would make people mad. And the fact of the matter is God doesn't hate. So the title itself is so ridiculous that, you know, we couldn't, you know, we it shouldn't be taken seriously. Like he's he flat out said, he goes, it's like saying, you know, God doesn't hate. So saying God hates us all to him is just kind of like over the top ridiculous. Um and again, I'm not lecturing you in religion. I'm simply saying what Tom Maria said. Um, but so, you know, all a lot of these, ba- it's all performance art. So, of course, they're going to slap some pentagrams on stuff, drop some F-bombs, talk a little bit about effing. And, you know, it, there's start pe- effing. Start effing. Um, but yeah, so I mean, but that's that's all you used to have to do. Now it's even easier. The problem is that you're you don't know who you're going to offend because before it would be like, Oh, we're just going to go out there and, and, and piss off the people who are picketing our shows anyways. Like if we have crosses, like if we have crosses on stage or pentagrams on stage, we're going to be outside picketing. So we may as well piss them off by making the pentagrams. Now, you know, your next door neighbor could get upset with you if you say something that he doesn't like. So it's it's not a matter now of we know exactly who we're going to piss off by doing this. When you say the wrong thing, you could actually alienate half of your fan base without even realizing you did it. So, I mean, look at you're going right. to see Ted Nugent. He's a prime example. How many people love every single Ted Nugent album, but now won't listen to them or hate the guy because of what he says in the press? You know, does that have anything to do with his music? You know, I know that that's also a separate issue because his early music, and when I say early music, I'm talking like 70s, and even up and through the 80s, like even with through like Damn Yankees, was not overtly political. Now he has written a lot of political stuff in his music, but his early stuff wasn't overtly political. He is overtly political. So it's one of those weird things where, you know, well, you know, you kind of do know who you're going to make mad because obviously you don't, I mean, you know, you kind of have a general idea. The problem is I think that you don't understand how far it's going to go. Like if a me- if a metal band in 1980 said, we're going to sing about Satan and put pentagrams on stuff, they knew that their core, there was, they were going to have a core audience. Metalheads don't care about that crap. You know, they don't all oh, there's pentagrams on stuff. I'll, I'll listen to Trouble, who is a Christian band, and I'll listen to Venom, who sings about Satan. You know, I'll listen to, like you said, I'll listen to Live, and then I'll listen to Deicide. 
none of that stuff matters to me. I think now the things that piss people off are even are well, I mean, are almost a religion in and of themselves, but are deeper than religion in terms of well, yeah, so like like let, let me see if I'm getting you correctly. At the time, what the metal bands were doing or the shock rockers whatever were doing was basically like their listeners are going to like it or not care and their parents are going to hate it. Right. Now it's well half your listeners this is going to piss them off. Right. I mean, let's be fair. If you want uh, like like I'll just come out and say it. Like if you want to be if you want to get a lot of attention on social media, just take a strong position politically to the other side of most of the publications. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. But you're gonna because so much of the media is on one again I'm, I'm, I'm not please do not make this a, a political statement I'm not talking about the politics about it I'm saying let's be fair most of the media kind of on one side but what's interesting to me about all this is you've got this country artist who I don't know anything about but I can only assume this country artist is generally pop country. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Why is it that some country artist is making more like headlines for being attacked for something than any metal or rock artist has in years? Like when was the last time? A heavy metal band got that much press for pissing people off. Like, legitimately, how long has it been? It depends, because Marilyn... I mean... <clears throat> and by the way, well, when, when we're Manson, talking about I'm this I'm not stuff, talking hey, like what well, he actually did with, like... I, I was going to say... If he's actually, you know, abusing women. Well, that's, that's what I'm, I was just about to say. When we're talking about this, we're talking about the things you do on stage, not the crap you do in your private life. Like, that's... You know, and and even like my point is like, if you're literally like being accused of like actual crimes, like that's different than, you know, you said something like "Hail Satan" on stage or something like that. You know, like when was the last time a heavy metal band wrote a song, released an album, or made a music video that caused a lot of controversy? Because a country artist just did it last week, and all they did was take a political stance. Okay, okay. I'm not trivializing. Please don't 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 jump on me for saying, well, this my point is this. A country artist did something more controversial by taking a political stance than a heavy metal band has since I don't know when. Probably like the PMRC days or 90s maybe Manson, or Manson Marilyn Manson Marilyn Manson you know the last time I remember you know some of these artists being in being in the press this much at least in the world of loud rock and heavy metal and look I know Marilyn Manson he's I mean dude he, they blamed he, Marilyn Manson for Columbine that's what I was just about to say it was probably 
when when he was like in all that Columbine stuff, um, you know, when he was talking about that. I mean, metal has always been associated with violence and stuff like that. But I think actually, what's really funny is now. Well, dude, come on, I, Judas Priest was sued. Well, but that was in the eighties. I mean, that was back in the PMRC was, uh, days. Yeah, but I mean, so still. was Ozzy. I mean, Ozzy was too. But I mean, my my point is that I think it's funny now because a lot of the people that grew up in the eight like metal metal in the eighties took a weird turn. Meaning Sabbath was always kind of walking that that line where they weren't overtly satanic. They kind of had like, you know, like, my name is Lucifer, please take my hand. You know, they had I mean, lines like that. Christian, so. Well, but I know what I'm talking about. Lyrics, though. Again, do you think sure. that do you think that like these people who are complaining about Black Sabbath gave a crap that Ozzy is Christian no, or even took the not. time to find out? Of course not. My point is that. But they were not overtly like say they weren't like having pentagrams and 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 you know all that stuff on stage with them. They, as a matter of fact, they all wore crosses on stage. Like Tony Iommi had cross inlays on his guitar. My point is that in the '80s, that's when music really started to kind of take a left turn. Like you had some bands, like like there was that that record that you have uh, that. Uh, Everybody called it like Jefferson Airplane, but Satanic Witchcraft or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? The two girls on the cover and they're holding the skull. Yeah, I have it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like there, there was that kind of stuff, and it was out there. But in the '80s, when bands like Venom and Slayer, and then later on, you know, like uh, Possessed, and that's when I think it really started to become closely, like really closely associated with it. You know, where my point in saying all this, and I do have a point. Is it in the seventies? You may listen. Oh yeah, like everybody listened to Black Sabbath. They were a popular band. Everybody listened to Led Zeppelin and and. But I think now that that people who grew up in the eighties listening to some of this stuff are professionals now, and they've actually gotten degrees and and everything else. So you're seeing more research around rock and roll and 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 heavy metal come out. So you're seeing a lot of studies come out where. where that what people thought in the eighties, especially, and even in the nineties and, and early two thousands, where Heavy metal makes you violent. Heavy metal makes you, you know, satanic. Heavy metal makes you want to do weird stuff. They're finding that when they, when they analyze the 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 results and when they speak to people who actually are fans of the music, they're finding the opposite. That by listening to violent music, you actually are less violent because you listen to that kind of loud aggressive music and you get that aggression out. That's your outlet. You go into a mosh pit and run around and slam into everybody, and it, and if you fall down, help each other out because that's what help you're here to out. do. Help each other out. But like that's what I mean. Like you, so you get that aggression out, and you find that you like wait. That makes you more well adjusted. So if you've had a bad day and you're like, you know, you go home and you listen to Cannibal Corpse and you feel better. You know, you listen to Slipknot and you feel better. Whereas people go home and they listen to WAP or. that kind of stuff it's not the same thing i'm not saying that that doesn't have a similar effect for some people but what i'm saying is like you listen to a song where you're just like oh my god i'm so pissed off i just want to rip someone's head off so you listen to a song about ripping someone's head off you kind of like yeah yeah you know and then you're like ah you know I, i feel better it's not like you know versus you know like where it's not it doesn't have in my opinion at least to me it doesn't have that same release effect you know it helps you direct your anger rather than just cope with it i guess is the way i'm way i'm talking about so again point being that you know you you're seeing more of that psychology so 
all of this like oh metal music makes you violent metal and plus the fact metal isn't in the spotlight as much anymore um you know like you have a handful of bands like metallica who i mean come on who's gonna blame metallica for anything anymore james hetfield doesn't even swear on stage anymore um and like slipknot who i mean dude at this point slipknot's lost its shock factor years and years and years ago i think it was machine gun kelly who as much as i can't stand him was said something about like a bunch of, he called him a bunch of 50 year old guys running around in halloween masks or something which look i'm not making fun of slipknot i'm not calling them that but it was pretty funny <laughs> Like, man, like, I, I don't like the guy. I, I, I'm not, you know, criticizing Slipknot, but come on, you, you got, you got, when something's funny, you got to laugh. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. So I, I think that, you know, to be a shock rocker now, it's not as easy as just, you know, doing, I, I, and also, I, I don't know. It's also, you know, here's another interesting facet of this. The other interesting facet of this is there's no more kayfabe. You and I have talked about that repeatedly. Kayfabe and music. And you always explain it. I'll explain it this time. Kayfabe is a wrestling term. And what that means is your, your character. So when wrestlers used to go out in public, they weren't supposed to break their character. So if you saw the, the Undertaker eating at McDonald's and you walked up to him, he wasn't allowed to go, Hi, I'm Mark. Nice to meet you. He'd have to look at you and go, You are eating a Big Mac. You know, like, it, you know, wrestlers had to kind of keep up that appearance. Million Dollar Man used to get given money so he could go out to restaurants and, like, leave huge tips and stuff and look like he was really a millionaire. Um, So so that's what kayfabe is. And with back in the 80s, 90s, or early aughts, before social media, all of these, like, Slayer had the no smile rule. You know, like, they weren't allowed to smile on stage. You can't do that anymore. Because cameras are everywhere, people are posting stuff online, they're sharing things, so there's no more kayfabe in music. Like, we've all seen Slipknot's faces now. We've all, we all know that they're all a bunch of goobers. Like, they're not these scary guys who are, ooh, scary. Uh. No, they're just freaking normal dudes like everybody else. No, Marilyn Manson's just a weirdo. Like, he, he's not like some evil satanic power. He's just a weird friggin' guy who's into weird friggin' crap. You know what I mean? Like, and no, you, I agree. And, and Alice Cooper, like, you know, in the 70s and 80s, you know, he was Alice Cooper. He wasn't Vince at the golf course like he is now. Here's here's a picture of Alice Cooper golfing before he put he goes on stage tonight. You know, the guy that walks off stage isn't him. Or, you know, what I mean, isn't isn't the character he's playing on stage. So I think that that plays into it, too, where. You know, a lot of times these bands are like they'll go up on stage, Satan, ah, Satan, ah, and like even Glenn Benton, like he's like, ah, oh, Satan, ah, oh, Satan, and then he drops his kid off at kindergarten the next day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to be like this evil satanic presence when you're carrying your little girl's My Little Pony backpack away from school. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> it's it's just you know i think that's a huge part of it as well whereas people now who are getting blown up in the media it's not because oh they wrote an evil song or a song that i disagree with it's because they wrote a song that reflects their personal beliefs so it's really their personal beliefs they're attacking rather than the subject of the song you know what i mean yeah well and it's also because of social media it's more likely to be something they actually did 
than something in their music. It's 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 more likely going to be like this artist was found eating meat, <laughs> you know, what what which whatever, like maybe other than Doyle and Bluey, no one cares that much about being a vegan, but a band would get in more trouble now for eating a burger and pissing off people that are vegans than they would writing a song about anything. I mean, really, they could write a song called whatever. The, it doesn't matter what the song was. Like, is it really, other than something that's like overtly racist, is there really that much you could put in a song nowadays that would really get you in trouble? Like, probably not. But you could be caught doing one thing on Instagram that's not even real, but it's misunderstood. Um, and that's more shocking than anything else you could do. It, it's a it's a weird it's a weird phenomenon. And I, I agree that kayfabe has a lot to do with it. Um, I'm not. By the way, I'm not sure if anybody else talks about kayfabe and metal. And, and because I, again, I know that's a, that's a wrestling term, but it's just it's 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 part of it. I, I think it changes. I think well, kayfabe in general changes a lot. Um, it just does. Anyway, um, I don't know. I'm half in the bag. Let's just be fair. <laughs> well, this is it. This is your last dose of the heavy metal hangover for what two weeks? Yeah, dude, it's oh, kind of weird. Like we didn't talk like, about the the other big thing. What's that? My big thing that's between my legs because it's I got armadillos in my trousers. What's up? No, the fact that Wasp got canceled. Oh, dude, what a dick! <laughs> like, yeah, I'm aware that he's old and he's in a lot of pain and got serious injuries. But dude, kiss my ass. Me going to a concert is way more important than your than your physical health. God, I hate that guy. I'm kidding. Um sadly, Blackie uh, is dealing with some serious um injuries from uh from a uh, tour in Europe and they're canceling the Va- the 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 Wasp tour and we don't get to see Armored Saint. I will tell you that I'm I am legitimately a little pissed that I had bought the um meet and greet tickets and they're like, Yeah, well we can refund it, but we gotta keep the fees. So I paid fourteen bucks to not meet Armored Saint. Which whatever, it's fourteen dollars. Like that's less than what one beer would have cost me at the show, but still. It it just it just kills me. Anyway, like, legitimately, I hope Blackie's okay, and I hope he's able to tour in a year. I- I'm a big Wasp fan. Um, a million years ago, when we did our favorite 50 records of all time, um, I definitely had Crimson Idol on my top 50. I mean, it's, it's an amazing record. Um, I-, I-, I love Wasp. I really do. I was going for Armored Saint, though. So I- I'm really sad that we're not seeing Saint, but on the other hand... I do really, really, really want to see Wasp. So I hope Blackie's okay. But man, does that really suck? Yeah. Seriously. I'm, I agree. I'm disappointed. I mean, at least we're still going to see Ghost of Imani Marth um, the night before. And 
your your room in Manhattan was non-refundable, so we still will be in yeah. New York City. And 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 by the way, my room is on Times Square. <laughs> I ended up getting a deal like I'm liter- we are literally staying on Times Square. Like it's right there. Um which is a weird place, but what the hell? It was a it was a, you know, deal, so I took it. But but we'll still be um, in New York City. It's just there's no loss. Dude, we also looked for other concerts, other activity. Nothing. There's nothing of value. Um, which is I I told Rex I was like, hey man, I'll I'll go see like, like like I'll go see Wicked on Broadway or something, and we can get trashed afterwards. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm I, you know you know what I you know what I would actually really like to see, and I I know you're probably not interested, but it's something I would actually want to see. I have never seen Phantom of the Opera. I don't even know if it's still on Broadway. Oh. What 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 was funny is I was literally saying earlier to a friend of mine, I was like, well, I was like, Rex would want to go see Phantom of the Opera, but it's not there. I was like, he might want to go see Sweeney Todd. Um, oh, the Demon but, Barber of Fleet Street. I like that one. Yeah, I know. Sweeney Todd's it's, playing. It's the it's only off Broadway. It's the only but, musical. You know what we should actually look into? I, I, was, I wonder I if like, Avenue Q is still playing. It's not, but um, 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 is Book um, of Mormon playing? Book of Mormon is, yeah. That might be funny. We, I, we could, I would totally go see Book of Mormon. The only thing is, we'd need to bring a change of clothes because I don't think Broadway shows let in uh, weirdos like oh, dude, us in battle vest. I've I've been to many. I've been to. Broadway. You'll get. You'll just. We'll just get the side eye. Like like no, I know. I, I literally. It's funny you said that because I was like, I was like, Rex would go see Phantom of the Opera, but it's not playing. I don't think. Um. I was like, but um, Sweeney Todd, like, I would actually like to see Book of Mormon because I've never seen it. Sweeney Todd, I've never seen it on Broadway, but, like, I, I know the show. Um, Book of Mormon would be fun because it's funny. Um, but, I mean, hey. It's just assuming whatever. we can get tickets because some of that stuff's super hard to get tickets yeah, to. Short yeah, notice, so. yeah. Well, 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 I'll figure it out. But sometimes if you go uh, to the box office, you can like get last oh, yeah, minute th- tickets. There's there's a there's a tickets booth that you could go, and um, the, I, I'll tell you what the best show I ever saw. Well, not really. Was, the best play I ever saw was, was was not a musical. Was um, just going up to the um, the the TKTS booth. And just saying, well, hey, what's on? What's going on? What do you got on sale? Um, and because they have shows like half, they're half price. And um, yeah, yeah, I saw um, I saw Amadeus with uh, um, uh, 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 David Sujet from the Poirot Mysteries, Agatha Christie guy. He um, he was in Amadeus, and it was amazing. Um, yeah, I've, I've lived in the metro area. Like, I lived in Manhattan for 10 years, and I lived in the metro area for over 15 now, I think. And I've never seen a Broadway show. Okay, so, like, like uh, Wicked, which I don't, you don't, you don't want to see Wicked. Like, I would love to, but uh, Hamilton, I'm, you couldn't pay me. Aladdin, <laughs> I don't, um, Hamilton, dude, that, that show could kiss my fat ass. Um, <laughs> I, would see, I would see Moulin Rouge, but I don't think you care. Um, Let's see. Book of Mormon, I'd go see tomorrow. Well, I'd go see Chicago because I like that show. Um, Chicago is just a great show. Um, let's see. What else is playing? Uh, Little Shop of Horrors. I'd see that. Um, I liked I liked the movie. Yeah. Feed me, Seymour. I, I mean, but I, it, it, even still, though, like Book of Mormon at least is like I've never seen it. Um how much are tickets for two? O'clock? I don't know. All right. Well, I'm going to look at this thing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, show, I, but. I'm fine with that. I, I, I don't care. 
Um, you know, I mean, if Whatever, we're going we'll to be in the city anyways, we may as well do something. I just think it'd be fun. You know, afterwards, we, you know, whatever we can hit the, we can hit, we're still probably going to hit the metal bars late at night. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll figure it out. I'm not worried about it. I'm just not seeing, I'm just not seeing Hamilton because that show sucks. I don't think you can get tickets Beyonce to it anyway. It's Beyonce crap. Well, you could buy tickets. They're, 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 they're on sale. It's, it's not as hard as it. They're 150 bucks to hear Beyonce. Like, come on, kiss my fat ass. That ain't happening. Wicked is probably show. which is probably cheaper than what it would cost to see her in concert. Oh well, oh yeah. For well, it's not really Beyonce. It's just that kind of music. It's oh, terrible. okay. No, it's not Beyonce. It's, it's music that sounds like that. It's it's bad. Yeah, it's not my, not for me. I know a lot of people like it. Hey man, I, I I'm a big fan of Rent. I, there's a lot of shows I like. That ain't one of them. Um. Yeah, we could go see Book of Mormon at two. Anyway, enough of that yakking. It's probably about time we get out of here. Oh man, good times, good times. Yeah, so it, it will be it will be a couple of weeks until we're back. Um, I know that's a little a little different, but uh, like I said, I'll be in I'll be in Europe for a couple of weeks. Uh, if you were going to Vakin, please, please, please message me. I would love to meet up with you. Um, and unfortunately, we we cannot hang out with you on the. Um, for the for the wasp door which kind of sucks but we'll figure it out we'll 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 do this again when we go to another show and we'll we'll offer up the opportunity to hang out with us um just because it's fun well anyway it's a little bit of a shorter episode it wasn't really intentional but it's how it goes here on our drunken show so i'm about ready to get out of here i um, am out of beer here but I've got more beer upstairs, and I want to go upstairs and drink some more, <coughs> and uh, maybe eat something because I've I've got a serious case of the munchies. But otherwise, um, it's time to go. We will be back in a couple of weeks. Again, I promise you, I will not blow up the heavy metal hangovers Facebook and Instagram at the heavy metal hangover with uh, with lots of pics from Vakin. But if you want to see my pics from Vakin, all you got to do is go to our page and then find the post that has me. Um, I'm heavy metal hangover duff. Just go find me there. If you want to see those pictures again, I, we're not monetized. We're not incentivized for you to follow us. And I don't really like social media. It's just, if you want to see pics from Vakken, that's where to do it. Uh, if you don't, don't worry about it. I won't blow the page up, but otherwise I'm ready to go drink a little bit more, maybe, um, get something to eat and then, um, whack off in a tool shed <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I wash me a walk off. <laughs> <coughs> oh, man. Anyway, so it's about time we get out of here. My name is Duff. My name is Rex. And we'll see you again next week on another episode of the Heavy Metal Hangover. Congratulations for actually making it all the way through this episode of the Heavy Metal Hangover with your beer guzzling, headbanging hosts, Rex and Duff.